Welcome to the Gunning Truth with Ronnie in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. The All or Nothing documentary, episode 4 till 6, uh, was live this morning. And uh, without uh, spoiling too much, it's very difficult not to spoil because everything you, you say is a spoiler. So even if you just mention the fact that it's uh, the Alba story, uh, it's one and the same thing. It's, it's, still, it's still a spoiler. But uh, without going too deeply into it, um, basically it was just the whole Alba Young situation in January. And then obviously the, the strategy. Uh, that they had for January due to the fact that they spent so much money in the previous summer, you know, the English summer as we call it. So uh, to some extent it's understandable uh, because uh, we a team that w- we were not in Europe last season and uh, we spent quite a bit of money, uh, one, of the top, one of the top spending clubs in Europe uh, last season. So uh, I kind of had that feeling once the window was completed that... Uh, it's unlikely that we were going to do business and uh, the Alba situation basically took the entire month to sort out. So even though I don't agree with it because it ended up affecting our season, I mean, the players, they were on their last feet in the final two months due to the fact that uh, injuries to key players obviously was the other factors. But uh, even though I don't agree with it, we kind of reaping the rewards in this window. And I feel that we obviously still have more work to do. So uh, the All or Nothing documentary, it's obviously basically 50-50. You get most of the Arsenal fan base uh, that, uh, or let's say, uh, it's split down the middle, to be honest. So you've got some of them that enjoys the behind the scenes and then others that are fixated on wanting to know every inch Uh, of every bit of the club and that is just not going to happen it's going to be propaganda it's going to be PR and uh, obviously you have to give credit to Arsenal for for obviously showing us certain things and certain aspects of the I would say the negative parts of what took place uh, at various stages last season including you know going into deep dives of the losses that we that we had but then obviously the positives as well there were positives in the season and how we progressed as a club the end goal wasn't reached but i don't think at the beginning of the season the end goal for the club in itself was champions league it would have probably just been a cherry on top and i don't think we would have been ready for the champions league maybe we would have bought one or two bigger names by now with champ- guaranteed Champions League money, guaranteed Champions League TV money, guaranteed sponsorship money, guaranteed bonuses. So there's two ways to look at it. We're not ready as a club. However, all those things I just mentioned, we would have had as extra. So uh, there's a good chance that we would have been able to purchase uh, bigger players or bigger names, category A players, as I like to call it. But I'm very happy with the work that we've done so far. I mean, um, Zinchenko, Jesus, they, these are all players that played in the Champions League. Vieira played in the Champions League. When are we going to see this boy? Hopefully this weekend. But uh, the the caliber of players, you can, if you have to categorize it, it's B-minus. 
uh, with the potential to get into a category A, uh, the type of players that we've purchased. So, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with the all or nothing documentary. I expected us not to show too much, but from what we've shown, the controversial parts, I'm I'm happy. I would have liked to have seen a a face to face with Alba and Arteta, but I'm pretty certain. Yeah, I'm pretty certain there's a reason why they didn't show that. But it's definitely worth the watch. Same as I said last week. This week it's a little bit more in-depth into certain things. Uh, and then um, I'm assuming it's going to be the, the bad ending to the season uh, in the final two episodes next week. So maybe they chose the wrong season to have the documentary. Maybe this season would have been the one to go for. But it is what it is. All or nothing. It's worth the watch. My thoughts on the first game of the season, Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. I was very uh, bullish when it came to my prediction. And uh, my prediction of 3-0 was not to do with fearing Crystal Palace or, or, or downplaying Crystal Palace. It's, I felt we needed to make a statement. Now, we didn't quite get that. A lot of pundits, a lot of fans were very happy with the first 15 to 25 minutes up until the Ramsdale era, which started giving uh, Crystal Palace fans a bit of hope and that transferred the energy onto the pitch. Uh, very, very happy with that first 30 minutes or so. I thought we were excellent. We, we showed hunger, passion, desire and uh, the ability to win the ball high up the pitch and then to obviously transfer that pressure to Crystal Palace. Now, uh, just a back story on the, the Crystal Palace side of things. They apparently had quite a disruptive preseason, whereby, through design, uh, Patrick Vieira tended to take two separate squads uh, to various games. Sometimes they had games on the same day at different stadiums, and they had two separate squads. I don't know if that's a good thing, or it's eventually going to be fruit. But their starting lineup barely played together in the entire preseason. So if there is some form of negative uh, effect or connotation to the performance, especially the middle part of the display, then a team that wasn't quite up to speed, and that's probably a, a part of the reason for the first 20 to 30 minutes, but I feel it was mostly us, were able to you know kind of get back into the game despite not being as ready as we were so that's something that i thought about and that uh, i won't say concerned me because you don't want to peak too early if i can call it that but uh, we were definitely the more ready team out of the two and that was prevalent in the first 30 minutes but taking all that away just by pure playing the game we were excellent in the first 30 minutes so not putting all those factors of the one team was more ready than the other i thought that we were absolutely fantastic in that first 20 to 30 minutes and on another day we will blow teams away it's the final third that was the problem and then obviously finishing as well uh, martinelli did score our first goal of the season and the first goal of the premier league season but uh, he obviously wasted an early chance as well so uh, a lot of people then went to dissect Odegaard's performance, Thomas Partey's performance, Ben White, uh, here and there from those above-mentioned players. They were passing errors, but it's all part of the first game of the season. I mean, the intensity, there was a different intensity to the game. The, our intensity were much higher in the first 30 minutes, but 
the preseason intensity and then this you know the 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 first premier league game of the season you were away from home crystal palace under the lights as everybody kept kept on saying but we passed we passed the first test and i always say sky sports uh, they were very upset because their ratings weren't as good as if arsenal lost the game like last season so uh, we know why this game was selected on a Friday night, the moment the fixtures came out, we know why. But uh, overall, I was uh, exceptionally impressed with Arsenal in the first 30 minutes. And then after that, when uh, Crystal Palace started getting a foothold in the game, you could look at it as Arsenal were starting to play deep. So a little bit of a sickness from last season in certain games where we took the lead. We were a little bit too deep and we allowed teams uh, to come onto us and there were times where Ramsdale had to save us and then obviously unforced errors with uh, passes from Ramsdale and then uh, Gabriel as well but uh, what I like to say according you know with the way that we tend to play out from the back the teams that does it Liverpool and City successfully they also sometimes can get into little problems I know that they play it better than us but they do, uh, there are occasions where Allison and Ederson, they don't get their man. And it's an attack on their defense because of the way they play the ball out from the back. So it's not an exact science. And obviously teams are aware that you are playing that way. So uh, it's we can't over be overly critical on one or two moments when, you know, there's other moments where when we play out from the back or when Ramsdale does a long kick and and when it works it's it's brilliant but uh, you know it's it's part of the way we want to play so it's not always going to be perfect but it definitely does you know uh, raise our ears a little bit when we play that way so sometimes we maybe need to be a bit careful read the game properly see where is it where's Gabriel where's Saliba where's Thomas Partey that needs to pick the ball up when you are playing out from the back but I definitely think it's the way to go forward for us and it's something that we've been doing for a number of years is we've got the right players to do so and uh, we need to keep going with that uh, and then Odegaard's performance yeah it was a bit iffy uh, one thing you can't criticize whether it's Odegaard or some of the other players that maybe had a below par overall game they were knackered come end of the game so they definitely put a shift in so that's something that we can always be proud of uh, when it doesn't go 100% for you that you are still putting in the effort unlike lazier players uh, from the past uh, number 11 number 14 specifically and to some extent our previous number nine so we have to look at it holistically when we analyze the games and not tend to go according to opinions of people that haven't watched the game. I mean, there was a lot of occasions where even Man United fans, there's a Man United fan that told me afterwards he didn't watch the game because he knew what was coming after they played Brighton. But he told me that uh, Lissandro Martinez had a good game. And uh, uh, yeah, we leave it at that. And then there's some people that thought uh, certain players from our side had bad games when they actually had good games like Ben White and Thomas Partey. So there's people that thought they had bad games. Yes, they had one or two bad passes in certain instances when they were under pressure. That happens. It's always going to happen, especially with the style that we play. But uh, I feel we can be very, very happy with the way it started. And we're going to go on to Leicester City this upcoming Saturday. Like I said, we needed to get through this first game. And then up until we play Man United next month at Old Trafford, there's a good chance for us to get five wins under our belt.
I wanted 15 points. Anything under that means that we need to go to United and win. And we obviously, if Brighton can win there and, and, and with our process, hopefully, you know, the, 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 the engine starting to roll, then we can go there and get points. So why can't we get 18 out of 18? I doubt it's going to happen like that. But uh, I'm looking at us getting hopefully 15 points by the time we play Man United at Old Trafford. And we're going to have to get those points. It's important for us in terms of leading up to that period where the World Cup is taking place. That's also another story. But up the Arsenal, excellent win against Crystal Palace, against uh, Vieira, and onwards and upwards we go. So our outgoings... It sounds like uh, we're working hard behind the scenes to get rid of uh, certain players. Pablo Mari, uh, specifically now going to Monza. We've had Torreira confirmed to Galatasaray. Busy with Bellerin. It sounds like that we're going to terminate his contract. Yet another one that's going to have to be terminated. High wages and wanting to go to a specific club. And then it sounds like Runison is going on a permanent deal to Antalya Spor in Turkey. So those are players that's currently in the works so that will obviously open up three non-homegrown spaces because Bellerin was part of being a homegrown player seeing that he signed with us when he was a youngster and he came through the academy over a number of years so it looks like we've got space opening up we're starting to trim the squad still more work to do uh, I feel that we need to closer to the end of the window hopefully uh, find a uh, New homes for Nelson and Maitland-Niles. It will very likely be loans once again, but hopefully to Premier League clubs so that we can maybe have some sort of an option or obligation to buy so that we can make some sort of money from players that also came through our academy, has been long with the club. And uh, it's, it's very disappointing when you've, got so, when you've put so much hard work in and these players goes for next to nothing. So before Arsenal seemingly are going to complete business of incomings, and I'm more and more concerned that it's only going to be one, very likely Leicester City's number eight. Uh, I'm hoping that there's still going to be some form of goal-scoring player that comes in. So whether that means we've changed our mind on the winger and maybe getting another striker in, uh, the noises are quiet when it comes to uh, what sort of player we're going for with regards to the wing, a scoring winger. Players that we've been linked with in the last week or so, Pepe from Porto. Uh, we've obviously been linked with Gakpo at uh, PSV. Now, the Gakpo situation is it sounds like he's more interested in going to United. Once again, it could be agent talk. Uh, but uh, with PSV qualifying for the final phase of uh, UEFA Champions League qualification, I can't see PSV selling him before the second leg. And that second leg takes place at the end of this month. So that's somebody that we've been linked with. And that's the only wide forward player we linked with relatively often that's got more than 10 goals. So this Pepe at Porto that we've been linked with, we've been linked with Diaby. Decent return, uh, but not more than. We're looking at someone that... that, that, that on par or, or scores more than our highest scoring wide player which in this case uh, if you don't put Smith Rowe into that category uh, which I felt it could be seeing that we bought Vieira and Vieira and Odegaard will be the number 8 slash 10 this season uh, yeah I think it was 12 and 12 for Saka and uh, Smith Rowe so 
There's nobody that we are linked with that has more goals and assists uh, than Saka and Smith Rowe or Martinelli in this case, or Pepe even. So hopefully uh, the amount of money that we're looking to spend on a wide player, so we obviously have to take into account that it looks like in the region of 45 to 50 million was what we were willing to go for Rafinha before we ended up joining those lot at the camp now. Uh, so if it is that we are looking to spend 40 to 50 million, which I doubt because... If we are going to put money in for Telemans, that will be roughly 25 to 30 million. Then I'm assuming, I'm assuming that we've got 60 million to spend. If it, if, if it is that we are going to get two bodies in, then it will be 60 million in total. That's my assumption, uh, which will probably take, take us to 200 million plus. And obviously we'll make about 20 million in Outgoing, so I think it's gonna. It's looking like we will be spending round about the. That will, there was an article that came out that we'll spend two hundred million, excluding outgoings, for this upcoming season. I think we would have wanted to make more money, with regards to outgoings, but I don't think that's possible, because of the high wages. So you have to look at it. The, the wage structure at Arsenal that is changing now. They're getting hungrier players on slightly lower wages, but exciting players. So. The project phase, we're on the right track. We just now need to get to that point where we are going bang. And that starts with the upcoming game against Leicester. That part's next. Arsenal versus Leicester. A new season with hope comes to the Emirates Stadium, which, if I'm not mistaken, has had a bit of a repainting done, hopefully. Hopefully it's not uh, somebody that just uh, photoshopped the fact that uh, it looks a little bit more red, the badge. But we'll see this upcoming Saturday. So your normal Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff in England. Exciting times for Arsenal. And I'm hoping that we, without now being arrogant, because there's no need to be arrogant, we haven't won anything. We, we've, we're a bit more positive for the upcoming season. But um, I'm hoping that we can have a similar situation uh, that we did against Sevilla. It's not pre-season, I know, but scoring a number of goals quickly so that we can calm the crowd down and, you know, have a situation where we see out the game in the second half rather than having to fight for a hard-fought victory. So I'm hoping that we can perform to standards that we are going to be setting for this upcoming season and that means using the very first minute of the football game, not le allowing Leicester City too much space too much time on the ball especially Tillemans who I think will play for Leicester if it is a deal that will be done between Arsenal and Leicester it will happen next week it won't happen this week so he's someone that we have to keep quiet I've analyzed his football or his, his game uh, last week and he tends to play where Odegaard is playing now they do play a slightly different system uh, most of the time with three at the back but uh, they do morph into a 4-3-3 at times. And he tends to play where Odegaard's playing at this moment in time when we play 4-3-3. So that's something to look out for. Um, so you will probably come up against Shaka. Because on our left and their right. So you will come up against Shaka. So that's going to be interesting for those that feel that Tillemont, if he does come to Arsenal, will be replacing Xhaka. So that remains to be seen because looking at all or nothing and over the years, four or five years, all the managers always select Xhaka if he is fit. So 
I'm hoping that we are able to field the exact same starting lineup that played against Palace, and that would be the same lineup that played against Chelsea, and then the week before that, um, can't remember if we played, yeah, we played Chelsea, Sevilla, Crystal Palace, same team, Ramsdale in goal, White inverted right back, Zinchenko, so even though Tien is fit and he's had more minutes, uh, on the training field, and he came on as a sub. I would still use him for, as a sub for now. Uh, there's other two uh, games, Bournemouth and Fulham and Aston Villa, that's still coming, so we can rotate because there isn't a drop in performance. So Zinchenko on the left, and then again Saliba, Gabriel, relationship continues. And then single pivot, Thomas Partey, left central midfield, Xhaka, right central midfield, or closer to our right wing, Erdegaard, captain, Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left, and Gabriel Jesus makes his home Premier League debut. The nice thing, based on pictures seen from training this week, is it seems like Fabio Vieira, Emil Smith-Rowe, Tomiyasu, and then Tierney as well, they are all in full training. So I read somewhere today that uh, Vieira might not make the bench on Saturday, so I'm hoping he does so that we can have quite a strong bench to call on come the second half. But hopefully this team can pull us through for the first 60 to 65 minutes for this upcoming game. I'm going for a 3-0 win, so the same as last week. I'm desperate for there to be another clean sheet for Saliba. I'm desperate for him to show yet again that there's actually not just, you know, a once-off game where he seems like he's completely in control, but another. Hopefully no funny passes from Ramsdale and Gabriel. No more misplaced passes from Odegaard, Thomas and and Ben White. Hopefully we are on it from the very first minute. Accuracy, showing passion, because it's going to be a vibrant Emirates crowd. They are expecting the project to go boom, like Arteta likes to say. So even though I've got a lot of respect for Leicester, they've got Madison that's playing, they've got Tielemans. They've got Dewsbury Hall. They've got Vardy up front. Uh, I think it's only Harvey Barnes from the key players that's not going to be playing. And I think Pereira's injured as well. So there's a couple of key players out, but they still have a strong squad. They need to be respected. But I just feel first game at home, the red shirt, uh, hopefully a sunny day at the Emirates. And it's time for us to, you know, I'm probably going to say this every week, but we need to explode as Arteta likes to say. And uh, we look forward to Arsenal putting in a performance this coming Saturday against Leicester City. I am confident we'll win 3-0. Next week, I'll review the game. Up the Arsenal!